All right, if you've listened this far, you know the deal. The book that came out of this podcast is called How the Internet Happened, From Netscape to the iPhone by me, available wherever fine books are sold. Also, the podcast I do these days is called The Tech Meme Ride Home. Search any podcast app for Ride Home, and you should find The Tech Meme Ride Home, which is all the day's tech news every weekday in just 15 minutes. If you like this show, you'll love that one. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. If you listen to the Yahoo chapter episodes that I released many months ago, then you'll remember that in those I made the claim that, frankly, a lot of people make. One of the main reasons that Yahoo ended up as the king of the dot-com era search sites was because of its zany, friendly, ubiquitous brand. And the woman responsible for building that brand was Karen Edwards. In today's episode, we're going to talk with Karen and hear how she recounts becoming the first dot-com company to advertise on TV, seeking out, quote, near surfers, and marketing an internet company in an era where many people still didn't even know what the internet was. I know you're going to enjoy this great conversation with the master marketer and brander, Karen Edwards of Yahoo. Karen Edwards, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Thank you for ha- having me. Um, we always start with a little bit of background. Um, just uh, where, where, where did you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in Southern California mm-hmm. um, and uh, went to Stanford and Harvard Business School, and I worked in my career in marketing consumer products and for companies like 20th Century Fox and Mm -hmm. Apple Computer. Well, let's go into let's go into some of those. Um, So you um, you you get a BA in communications at Stanford, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And and so um, you your first job is at BBDO, that the the big advertising agency. Yep. Yeah. Actually, when I was at Stanford, I was very interested in. how consumers and technology interact. And there was a program in those days called Values, Technology, and Society. And I think nowadays there are like things you can major in at schools like Stanford, but that are, that have that cross between technology and consumers, but in society. Um, So I was interested in things like history of the future and history of science and things like that. And so I um, studied a lot about 
what at that time was the personal computer industry and um, ended up then sort of being somewhat qualified to go work in advertising for Apple. Right, because at, at BBDO, you're the, the account manager for, for Apple, Apple's advertising. Yeah, I was a junior. I mean, I, was, I guess my title was like senior account executive, but that's a, a relatively junior role. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of where I cut my teeth in the beginning of my career. And what, yeah. what years would that be? Uh, um, so I was there from about, let's see, 1986 till the end of 1988. And that was the time um, when uh, uh, John Scully had taken over as CEO. Right. And so BBDO was the ad agency that, that John Scully had been comfortable with, um, with Pepsi um, in his prior days, whereas Steve Jobs had kind of made this little small creative agency called Shiat Day famous because of all the very iconic advertising that Shiat Day did for Apple, like 1984 and some other things. So when John Scully decided to, you know, or when he became in power, he decided to take over with this new ad agency. And, and I actually have an anecdote that's kind of funny about that, which was Great. that um, I got fired from my very first job out of, out of Stanford. Um, mm. which is a long story. I won't go into that. But um, while I was um, busy trying to pay off my student loans, I was a waitress um, at uh, at a uh, restaurant here in, in Silicon Valley called MacArthur Park. Um, and and I, I really struggled after being, you know, it's kind of demoralized when you get fired from your first job. And I spent a lot of time thinking about what was it that I really wanted to do. And so I finally realized I needed. I wanted to go work in a bigger company where I, I could get some training, and I could. And so I thought about like what kind of company, and I thought, okay, an ad agency. You know, I really want to work in an ad agency. So I started subscribing to like Ad Week and Brand Week and all these, you know, advertising age and the days before the internet. You know, I'm going to the library to look up, you know, what accounts are with what companies, and you know, what are the general principles of advertising and who are the, the major thought leaders in advertising and so on. So anyway, one day I'm, I'm at my, my day job, which is um, waitressing, and um, a group of guys come in, actually and one, one lady, and um, they're ordering you know, red wine in the middle of the day. And they, they're all in suits, and, and, and uh, I'm thinking, wow, it's kind of soon. What, you know, what, uh, what, what brings you here? What are you guys doing here? And I said, oh, well, we just got finished with a very expensive, long pitch for some new business. No, oh, well, good luck. Yeah, I hope that works out. What kind of business are you guys in? We're in advertising. <laughs> Great. Wow. Well, I you know, would like to work in advertising or whatever. I don't know exactly what I said. And they said, well, um, yeah, we're pitching um, the Apple computer account. And I said, well, I actually um, know quite a bit about Apple. I wrote my honors thesis in this values, technology, and society um, thing. And uh, at Stanford, and I'm very interested in both Apple and in advertising. So anyway, um, yeah, I continued to bring their drinks and their food and their French fries and whatever else. And they said, you know what? If we get the business, um, we'll hire you. And they did. And so that's how I got wow. my start in advertising and marketing. That's that's one of yeah. the most serendipitous stories <laughs> I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. So I was really lucky because I, I you know, I was – at a world-class agency with, you know, an amazing brand. And so I, you know, I kind of got a jump start. Whereas I, I was prepared to have to start as maybe like as a secretary or 
as a you know administrative assistant or something, but that was kind of a, a big leapfrog for me in my career. Yeah. Well, so then you you do uh, go get your MBA at at Harvard Business School. Uh huh. And um, so after that, um, right. you're you're a brand manager with Clorox. Right. Right. And I, I really like that, and I, I do think that a lot of the things I learned there um, helped me uh, in marketing from a more analytical perspective. Also, Clorox has an amazing culture in terms of grooming people to be leaders. So I think everything that I learned in terms of managing people and teams, and um, I, I think I learned there. Yeah. And um, so then there's a couple years where you're with 20th Century Fox. Um, yeah. And- um, yeah, so I went, I went to 20th Century Fox. I worked um, first in the U.S. I, I, I really liked marketing. I realized, okay, I'm a marketer. I know it's in my blood, but um, I, there's got to be something better than bleach. <laughs> so I decided to move to – I mean, I really was interested um, in, in um, the entertainment industry. I kind of missed sort of the adrenaline that goes that went on with, like, the advertising world and, you know, computers and fast-moving you know, fast industry. So – um, I decided to work in the in um, the entertainment industry. Moved to moved to LA, and I um, worked in the home video. What was in those days, you know, videos that were often rented in stores, um, like a, a brand, a huge brand called Blockbuster that mm-hmm. many people don't even remember who they were anymore. Um, and you know, we used to sell um, you know videos at places like Walmart and Target and Kmart. Um, you know, before the days of DVDs and Netflix and, and so on. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years in the U.S., and then I had the opportunity to work in a more general management role running those businesses, the home video businesses in France, Spain, and Italy. And so that was really useful for my Yahoo career because um, pretty much as soon as I joined Yahoo, just within a few months, we were expanding internationally. So I was very fortunate that I had had you know, some international experience Um you know, mostly in France, Spain, France, Spain, and Italy, where I was based for about two years. But um, I also had the opportunity to work in a little bit in the um, like game, the console game business that Fox had. You know, like the all the video games that related to like mm-hmm. um, Aliens and a bunch of other film properties. Um, so I was able to um, learn a little bit about that, which sort of got me kind of indirectly interested in internet stuff. Well, that, yes. So, I mean, I want to now know the story of getting hired at Yahoo. I was curious, maybe because you do have, um, you know, you had lived in the Valley, were you maybe aware that, that, you know, the, the web revolution was happening? How did, how did you come to uh, get hired at Yahoo? Um, so this is another one of those um, serendipitous sort of stories. So um, I was at, I was at Twentieth Century Fox, and um, I was sort of I was at a point where I needed to either commit to another four year contract I was under contract, or I needed to, uh, um, to kind of figure out what I was going to do next. It was sort of a, a, a transition time at the company, and and, and you know to be honest, I, I, I wasn't all that keen on some of the dynamics in Hollywood, but also I was, I realized like, um, I was at a, a time where I, I, it would, it would make sense to kind of take on more leadership, like kind of more leadership or do something slightly, slightly different. So, um, but I was fortunate because I, I got involved in some, like a couple of task force at, 
at the News Corp level, so News Corp being the parent company of 20th Century Fox. News Corp at the time owned a competitor to AOL called Delphi, which nobody's heard of nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, uh, And and they also were trying to do some interactive things, and it was a lot of smoke and mirrors, frankly. Um, News News Corp didn't really have a clear idea of what it was doing. Um, And so I I was looking at the Internet. I was also looking in those days at virtual worlds, which was kind of like the precursor to things like um, Second Life and mm-hmm. InView, which is kind of ironic because I'm now on the board of InView. Um, and I also was looking at a thing called Interactive TV, which um, in those days was absolutely nothing. It was complete smoke and mirrors, but it's kind of the promise is finally being delivered. Like if you think about what like Comcast is like today, it's kind of what the, the internet Interactive TV promise was of the 90s. Um, so anyway, um, I could have, I, you know, I got frustrated every time I applied for jobs in virtual worlds or inter- interactive TV and got turned down. But thank goodness I did get turned down because um, then as I was cold calling um, internet companies, I cold called Netscape. Um, I had a, a, a classmate of mine from business school was one of the founders of CNET. Um, I tried to, um, and those days seen it was mostly a television mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. focusing, um, but I was interested in that. I thought maybe with my entertainment background, I might have a chance there. I got turned down there. Um, let's see, I tried applying for with an, adver- an interactive advertising agency, got turned down there. Um, and there was this thing called Amazon that was just getting started. <laughs> um, that was they were they were be sell- they were going to try to sell books online. I didn't really want to move to Seattle, but plus nobody seemed to return my calls from there. Um, and I mean, if you can imagine, this is the days before everybody has email, right? So um, literally a lot of this contact is by phone, fax. Some of it is literally handwritten you know, or typed, you know, printed notes that you put in you know, the U.S. Postal Service. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I, I'm in Paris. It's a long story, but I was in Paris shopping the flea market. And I met this woman who um, worked in the Valley in software, and then we hung out a little bit. And then when we got back to California, she introduced me to somebody who introduced me to somebody who introduced me to somebody who knew the name of the new guy who had just been hired um, at Yahoo to be um, the new CEO. Like, I mean, I was, I remember looking like in the newspaper and stuff like that, you know, very little information about this little um, company called an an organization from Stanford. It was a .edu site um, that had just become a .com and had just gotten some funding. And there was a guy named Tim Kugel who had been hired as CEO. And then there was this new guy called named Jeff Mallett. And I was I was told by somebody now that's the guy you need to write to, so I did. So I wrote I typed out a letter and wrote, put it in the mail and sent it, and then you know I somehow managed to get a phone phone number to track them track them down or whatever. And I think at the time there were about ten people working at the company, nine or ten people, and um, I basically said you know I don't know if if you have a marketing person or thinking about marketing, but you know I'd like to do that for you guys and. I came in, I interviewed actually with Tim Brady, who have spoken with, and Jeff Mallett, who became my boss. And um, I'm not even sure if I, I – think, I think I did talk to Jerry Yang as well, 
And I, I think I talked to eventually, yeah, I talked to everybody, um, but I can't remember if, if initially I did, but, but I remember just saying, you know, I, um, I really think that you guys should think about Yahoo as a brand, think, you know, and they're like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And I said, yeah, and I think the kind of thing I like to do, I think we could really make Yahoo a household name. And I remember Jerry Yang laughing. He's like, a household name? <laughs> you know, like that. And I was like, well, yeah, no, really. Um, so anyway, I, um, I, signed, I signed up with them. I had, I started to fulfill my contract at Fox. I joined a couple months later. And I joined, I think, like January 1st, 1996, which um, uh, several of us, I, I would say six or seven of us started that same day. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure what number employee I am. So I usually just to be on the safe side, I say I'm like the 17th employee, but I, mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't really know. I'm somewhere in the the team, the you know, low to mid-teens, so I defend the 17th, which is probably somewhere close. But, well, the, the point is, is that it's still, they're, they're, probably fresh recently out of Stanford <laughs> they're they're literally starting up as a real company so actually I'd, I'd be curious to know give me your impressions of 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 what Yahoo is like uh, when, when you join it so when when I first saw Yahoo it was this, it had a gray screen it was all text it had the these four um, it, it had this kind of like Velveeta cheese and brick red colored logo in this funky, weird script at the top with these little buttons that said things like, what's cool, what's new, and then maybe something like news and whatever. There was a search bar, a button that said search. But um, in those days, the Yahoo, what it was, was a directory. So we had people, people would submit, have have you heard, have you already talked about this? In the yeah, yeah, a little bit, but but, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so um, it was a directory, meaning there were there were live human beings, which we called surfers, um, and we had a, a small team of them in those days. They were headed up by a woman named, that we referred to as Ninj, um, and she um, had started early in the early days with Jerry and David creating um, this ontological hierarchy of how to uh, organize information, organize data. So, for instance, you know, there's all kinds of different ways one could think about categorizing a website, right? Like, so, for instance, one a classic one that we often, you know, had issues with or whatever was Jews for Jesus. Does that go under Judaism? Does that go under Christianity? Does that go under, you know, religious, you know, institutions? Where where does that go, right? So, you know, um, nowadays... Um, when, when, if everything's automated, you would just, you know, we don't, you, nobody has to ask that question, right? But in those days, you had to actually think about, well, where would, and then was like, well, where would where would somebody expect to find it, right? Would be um, the way one way we might answer. And then, of course, things could be under multiple different places, but you, somebody had to answer that question. So the way it worked was, in those days. You know, people were creating websites that had broken links and had and that were crap. And so, we if somebody submit you would if, let's say you had you created a website you would submit it to Yahoo and to some other search places like Site and Like Us where you would submit your website through a form to Yahoo and Yahoo would decide whether or not to even place it in Yahoo or not. Um, and it would decide to um, where it would go. And so initially, 
um, that's what, what Yahoo was, was this directory. Um, then in, on top of that, we had just a search of the web. So if you typed in the name of, of something you were interested in um, on Yahoo, you would first at the top see the, the Yahoo sort of sanctioned, if you will, um, listing. Categories, And right. then if there was nothing, if, if, but then it, let's say you were looking for something that was not already in Yahoo, not in the directory, then it would just start doing searches throughout the, the World Wide Web and, and the Internet more broadly in those days. So, which would which would quite often yield a bunch of junk. So, it would not be very helpful. It was like looking for like a needle in a haystack, because what you really wanted was, you know, you're about to buy a, a new car. You really want the Honda.com website, because you want to see what Honda has to say. Honda happened to be one of those brands in the early days that really invested early in the internet. And so, the, the I'm using them as an example because they were a great car company website. But if but if you looked up, um, let's say Hyundai in those days, which hadn't invested in a website and didn't have a bunch of cool stuff yet, um, then you would just get a bunch of messy stuff. Where anytime Hyundai was mentioned, like safety things or the SEC filings or import duties and regulations around Korea or whatever, right? And which which is not what you wanted. You're just trying to buy a car, right? right, right. So. Um, so that was the value we were we were adding, which was making sense of the internet, organizing the internet, and and presenting it in a way that people could get it, you know get to it quickly. The other thing is because the internet was so new, the World Wide Web was so new. It was like some people were just like, um, tell me, show me what's new. Like, what are some cool new websites? Who's doing a you know, give me an example of what a cool website is, right? And so we used to have these little sunglasses icon. This predates me. It was not my idea. I remember um, very well, I, though. I sometimes thought it was kind of hokey, but people seemed to love it um, at the time. But we would put little, like, cool, you know, we say cool or have like, little sunglasses to indicate it was cool. And, um, and you know, we started, we did that for you know, the websites that actually were useful, you know, and we would talk to, you know, we would, we would try to help promote the things because it was like, okay, a lot of people don't even know why they would bother using the internet. Like, like, you know, like people would say, you know, I don't really need the internet. Like, why would I need it? You know? And you'd say, well, because there's some really cool websites. Like what? And so then that's, we felt that was partly our job, help people see that there's some cool stuff to do. And, and um, also, also though, um, because I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel like if I understand the chronology correctly, again, this is sort of right when um, they've left Stanford and they've decided to try to make a real company out of this. So did you also get the sense of um, <laughs> they're they're figuring stuff out They're They're trying to figure out how to become a real a real company. Absolutely. So when I first started talking to them in, in, in my early days of working there, we were we were located in a um, like a. Um, like industrial park, like next to some like auto body mechanic shops, you know, like, mm-hmm. like if you've driven through kind of like those sorts of places where it's like, you know, mechanics, auto body, right. detailing, whatever, things like that. So, and inside, like we weren't, there was, there were these people cataloging the websites. There was a guy named Dave Shen who was looking at trying to improve the, the, um, you know, UI, the user interface as best as he could. And, 
um, graphic, and we were the gooey guy. And we were thinking about what about, I mean, by the time I actually joined the company in January, from so the difference between, say, November until January, um, we, we, had, we started to receive some investment from companies like Ziff Davis and SoftBank. So at that point, we started thinking like, hmm, is there an opportunity to be more of like a content company where we focus on some key vertical areas like sports, finance, news, and start because um, we just we were realizing like, yeah, people don't really know where to even begin with this internet stuff. Like, like okay, you know, what do you like people do, but why do I need it? Like, why would I use it? The internet, like, and and, it was, and, and this is also like email, but I, I don't really want people to email me. And what if, um, you know, somebody gets my email address or whatever? I mean, that was how most people thought of it. I mean, the internet was like, people thought of it as like, this is just something for geeky people who follow Star Trek. Or whatever, and are, are are who totally are super deep and interested in things like Dungeons and Dragons, and um, you know stuff because the, there wasn't a, there, there wasn't much mainstream content, you know, available. I mean, there was starting to be. I mean, but in the early, I mean, by this time for sure there was. There's plenty of content available, but the average person in the United States was not using it yeah it was really a very early adopter thing so the content was there there was like encyclopedia britannica smithsonian institute you know brands like honda um you know there was a famous brand story of this uh, brand called zima it was like a malt liquor <laughs> malt beverage right, thing. Right, right. it was one of these brands that got launched on the internet I, I don't even know if it exists anymore so it was starting to be seen as a as this new thing, a new phenomenon that was very, very um, a, a, a service and things that was for early adopters. And and to keep in mind, like the way people got onto the internet was um, that AOL, you know, was starting to, um, you know, a lot of people who were using AOL were getting to the internet through AOL, or they were getting to the internet through services like CompuServe or Prodigy. And these were services that... Um, had their own content and their own communities and chat rooms and, um, you know, their own news services and their own, like, they didn't call them websites, but they were called, I think, maybe like channels, you know. And so for people who, you know, for the, the people who like that kind of stuff already, they were, you know, there were already people, you know, using their dial-up modems to use those kinds of services. I did. Um, I, you know, had used all of those actually. It was like, well, but why would you venture out onto the internet? That seems scary, you know. Um, so, so we were um, trying to help people make that step, you know. And um, kind of the way that we did it, uh, it was the way I thought about it from a mar- as a marketer was that um, you know, kind of no matter what it is that you're into, Yahoo's going to help you find it. And so. We focused more on talking to the so so companies like Netscape, Lycos, Excite, Alta Vista, Infoseek. These were all Silicon Valley or uh, you know, elsewhere based tech-based companies run by you know people with technology backgrounds, 
And they just figured the fastest search, the best search, the most accurate search was going to be the most important thing. And I think we started to believe, or you know, clearly I believe that having a brand and, have, and, and being the place that people can start you know, with the Internet was going to be very important and very valuable. And I think our human touch, the, the directory that I was describing before with the surfers who organize the websites and make sure that all the websites that are in Yahoo work and you know, deliver a good experience, those two things were really critical to differentiating Yahoo from all the other um, you know, what appeared to be like search engines or you know, directory kinds of things so, at the time. So you, from day one, you've, you determined that to, to make Yahoo into a household name, like you said you, were, you, you told Jerry you were going to do, the focus would be on we're the friendly guide, we're your, we're your friendly path onto the Internet to, to, to educate people but also give them um, a, a home that they could come back to on the web. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say, oh, from the very beginning I knew that, but unfortunately I didn't. Um, it, it took some time to, to really think about, like, okay, what's the job here? Like, what is it? What, what would make a difference? Like, how can we stand out? How can we be the brand of choice, right? Um, because we weren't really that, we weren't really ahead um, of these other companies, maybe a little bit. Like, um, in those days, it was impossible to measure even how large the audience was or how many users we had. We didn't really know. Um, we had a little bit of a sense that of kind of who was who, Excite, Lycos, InfoSeq, and so on. But we didn't really know. There was no tracking services. There were no analytics. There were no research companies man, you know, following, doing all this. In fact, that was part of our job was we figured we had we started trying to work with research companies and say, hey, you know, why don't you start following this industry? Why don't you help, you know, create some metrics and create some, you know, which, um, you know, so I think I, I was fortunate because I feel like um, some of the things I learned in the media business um, helped with that. Also, my boss, um, Jeff Mallett, he had um, a media background as well in the cable industry in Canada. So he, so we, we, we valued knowing, like, okay, how many people are really using this? You know, um, so we wanted to know. Um, in those days, we would sometimes people would refer to hits. Like, and that was kind of irrelevant because hits were just like, how many, time, how many hits did the you know, server get? Did, did the her, a server get? Yeah. But somebody could just sit there, you know, hitting, 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 hitting. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's a person doing something meaningful. Um, so, um, so that is actually something that that um, you know I feel like if thinking about like the history of the internet, like imagine a world where there was no way to know what was going on. <laughs> you know, like how many people were using things, how long were they using something. There were you know there was no login. You didn't you didn't log in with a a name and a username and an ID. Or anything, so nobody knew who you know. We didn't know who anybody was or where they were coming from. Anything. We there were there was such a thing, you know, and there still is an IP address. We can see unique IP addresses, um, but even that was difficult because in those days, you know, a lot of people were coming in through um, their work, right? And so um, because most people at home had had um, dial-up, you know, slow internet connections. Right, right. So we knew that a lot of people were, were using the Internet at work, but that was difficult to track um, uh, because of the way IP addresses are. Um, so in any case, um, it, it, was, it was sort of like, yeah, we had kind of 
we had kind of like a few jobs. One was like, hey, let's make sure people know that the internet itself is valuable, not, and they don't just stay stuck with these like um, dedicated online services like AOL, CompuServe, Prodigy, Delphi, where people paid their 9.95 a month whatever, 19.95 a month, it was like we were saying, hey, you know, if you use those services, also go on the Internet. Or, you know, you don't really need those services to go to the Internet or whatever. But, like, when it, once you're on the Internet, Yahoo's where you need to start. Mm-hmm. Yahoo is going to be your easy, friendly, welcoming place to get started. Um, and so, I mean, like, you know, I wish I could say, yeah, I, I knew that from the beginning or whatever, but mm-hmm. you no, know, it took some time to figure out. And, uh, um, I, uh, had a good, I fairly quickly after a couple of, well, when I say fairly quickly, after just only a few months, I hired a great ad agency that was also just starting up. It was four guys that didn't even have an office yet. Was that, was that Black Rocket? Black Rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, uh, you know, hired these guys, and we we spent a lot of time co- talking to consumers and talking to people who weren't on the internet, asking them like, what were their fears? What were they? Wh- why would they maybe use it? Or people who had just started using the internet, why? You know, what what is it about it? Why did you want to do it? Um, the other the other thing that I did um, immediately as soon as I got there is I started reading um, like customer emails and complaints, like what were what were people happy about and what were people concerned about and I would just read that I would just read all the customer service emails you know as many as I could every you know every day to see what was going on so um, like I said there was no data there was no research reports there was nothing you know which I think could be frustrating if you're a Harvard MBA and worked in packaged goods but on the other hand I'd worked in entertainment and advertising so I was used to having kind of ambiguous sort of having to make decisions more from an intuitive standpoint. Well, you know, I, I so, also think yeah. I also think we should give credit here because um you know, web companies, internet companies are as an industry are only a couple years old at this point, but you guys are really the first to to think about these things in terms of branding an internet company, in terms of doing things like considering running television ads, you know. Right, right. Right. So so, so the big aha or the big breakthrough in thinking was when we realized that the opportunity was not about getting, um, you know, how do we get the, the biggest market share amongst Internet users? That wasn't it. It was more like how do we get that next generation of people, the people who aren't even thinking about the Internet, um, to know us, to know Yahoo. So just generating awareness. Um, so that when somebody does finally get around to thinking about the internet and, and considering it, that they'll they'll know our name first. And so that was the goal. And so it was a very very clear goal. Um, and um, that's what we did. How much <laughs> so, how much of a how much of a help was just the name Yahoo? Because I mean, I think go ahead. It was it was huge, and that's why I cold called them as opposed to Infoseek or Site or. Like those uh, Alta Vista, because um, just having was, having that as your name, it sort of infer you, you you assume a certain level of, I don't know. It's this is this is fun. This is zany. You know what I mean? Like it it it, it seems a little more friendly, even than something like Excite. You know? Yes, but it cut, in those days it cut both ways. I mean, nowadays having a clever name in the internet space or even the tech space is considered you know 
kind of sexy and fun. In those days, it also carried a little bit of a, of a tinge of, you know, um, unreliability. And it's, um, you know, like, can I really trust these guys? Who? What? These Yahoo's out there? What the heck? Right? It's like, I'm going to give, like, you know, I'm going to be, like, you know, I could get hacked, right? I, you know, like the word hacker didn't even was just starting to come out, right? Didn't even know what hacker was. But right. then people would go, oh, I might be hacked. And so, like, what about that? these yahoos? What? Huh? You know? Um, so we knew we couldn't be too – I mean, we – we did play up the irreverence because we did. We thought, like, hey, the good news is that people do when when they hear the name and they see what we do, they do get a smile on their face. But we realized too that we needed to be careful to not appear just crazy, you know. And one of the things that I think um, happens um, is that when okay, so we started doing advertising, as you mentioned, on television. Um, we, um, it was really interesting how, how smart we were really, and I say we, the the agency was in terms of making our, our television campaign look a lot bigger than it really was. We didn't, we ended up not spending as much money as we thought we originally would would be able to. Mm -hmm. We had a bunch of business obligations that we needed to do and other things that were going on with the, with the, the, the business. And so the marketing budget I thought I was going to have at the beginning turned out to be, you know, a fourth of what I thought I was going to have. So, but we have all these big ideas. So we figured, okay, how do we still do some of these ideas anyway? And one of the things the ad agency did is we, we looked at running our television commercials at places for, you know, actually just in certain cities, not the whole country. And we advertised on shows where um, we really thought that that, um, what we called near surfers, if you can believe it, we used to still use the term surfers to refer to people who are online. Um, we would, what we call near surfers, people who are almost ready to get online. And so we looked at, like, what were some of the most popular television show websites? So The Simpsons, The X-Files, a bunch of these shows that have been around, you know, for, been around for a while, Star Trek, things, things you know, some, some of these kinds of shows, and we advertised in those programs. And so we looked a lot bigger than we than we really were, frankly, and um, in terms of a marketing presence. Um, but um, we, you know, we did that. We did a lot of PR. Um, we did just fun things like we would go to um, to like street fairs and microbrewery festivals and wine and food festivals, and we would have like some of our employees, you know, setting up computers with, you know, dial-up modems and stuff, and, and people would walk by and they'd go, look, honey, it's the Internet. <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, and they'd be like, wow, you know, I, we, we haven't seen the Internet before. You know, it was just like a completely, it's so hard to imagine, right? But um, that's what it was like. And, and, and people would say, well, why, why are you guys at, you know, like beer festivals? Why are you at rock concerts? Why are you at, you know, um, like we used to have like posters that we would put up, you know, kind of like that looked like um, like nightclub postings. You know, we would have our, you know, Yahoo like you know print ads, kind of made as posters that were you know round in like urban settings and stuff like that. Well, that so, that, that makes me think of of two specific branding questions. One mm -hmm. being the 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 decision to go with purple, and the other being 
the decision to go with the the tagline do you yahoo sure so um and the yahoo the yodel um that came with that um right 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 it was um so part of it was like we definitely recognized that the name itself was was a hook so you know we wanted you know some kind of tagline some sort of thing you know when you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a lot of time um it's it's good if you can have things that you can repeat within um all of your communication so that that um you're not having to start from scratch in a conversation with your audience every time right so having that iconic you know the name and the the um and the in this case the do you uh yahoo there's like a slight pause when he says it um it it was it was like a little bit cheeky, kind of. It sounds like a little bit like a, do you uh, you know like you're almost a, like the, the person's kind of hesitating before they ask. Wink, wink, and it, nudge. And it was yeah. kind of like a, like an invitation, like uh, are you doing this? You know, and kind of like, uh, implying uh, you know you should. Um, and so you know what we were trying to do, you know, um, with with the advertising is. Um, you know, we, we, our very first ad, we showed, we showed an old, an older, old, old man, old gentleman who's, who's out at a pond. He's trying to catch fish. He's not getting any, having any luck. And then you see him, you know, in the evening on his computer and he goes onto Yahoo, types in the word bait. And then the next scene is he's, he's holding this big, gigantic, like 500 pound tuna, you know, and laughing, and and then um, there's the do you uh, Yahoo, and then there's Yahoo, and and that was the same format that we used in in all of our television advertising for like several years. But like so, it was like 30 seconds, but everything that we did was really intentional. So for instance, like we picked an old old guy, right? So we we're basically saying anybody can do this. An old man can do this. A guy, humble, older gentleman, you know, without a fancy house or fancy whatever, just a simple desk. He can, anybody with a computer can do this. Um, and then we also were trying to show, it doesn't really matter what your issue is or what you're, what you're interested in finding, you can find anything. And then the, you know, the, the big gigantic fish is, you know, and you're going to be amazed with the results. You're going to get above and beyond your expectations. Um, and you can count on us to deliver, right? Like it's for real. Um, and so all those, like those were the takeaways. Like we would ask people, so what did this, what does this commercial say to you? Because we, you know, tested out with with consumers and focus groups before we'd actually air them, and um, you know, at least the storyboards and stuff. And people would go, wow, you know, this t- says these things to me. And we're like, okay, we've done our job. So um, it was really. That was extremely gratifying. I mean, the agency did a, a really great job of coming up with, you know, all those things. But it, came, it did. It was kind of like it took a lot of marketing thought up front to 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 recognize like what were the pain points, what were the challenges, what were some possible you know pitfalls or traps. Like, uh, oh, the name is great, but it could be a problem. Um, and you know, what what are the things that will really stand out? You know. Um, so that, that was, that was some of the thinking behind it. Yeah. Are you also, uh, keeping in mind at the same time in your branding efforts, um, that you need to convince businesses that the web is a viable place to advertise, that Yahoo is a viable place to, to advertise? Absolutely. And so, you know, you, you can imagine that my job 
internally um, wasn't always easy because I'd have to convince people that like, hey, rather than hiring more engineers or rather than um, getting, you know, more servers or getting a larger office space so that we aren't, you know, four of us sharing one desk, um, you know, hey, we really should spend this money on advertising. And they'd be like, well, Karen, so what can you get us for that advertising? And they're like, and I'm like, well, I don't, you know, how many more new users can you get? And I'm like, well, how many users do we have? You know, and it's like nobody, you know, we didn't know, right? So it's like, you know, trying to project out like what what's the ROI on our advertising <clears throat> um, was pretty tough, right? It was pretty much impossible mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do. Um, but you know, we we were getting, you know, the company was getting ready to go public. <clears throat> we couldn't we because of um, SEC rulings and stuff like that, we didn't want to try to hype the stock, you know, before, you know, going public. So we were careful not to, like I wanted, for instance, to switch PR agencies. We did not switch PR agencies during that time. We didn't do anything out of the ordinary, of out of the ordinary course of running the business. So we couldn't do anything that was going to be any big, gigantic, crazy splash. But, what we did do is um, actually, I'm I'm, I'm going to answer your question about advertisers, but I'm also going to mm-hmm. talk about what what it meant to try to appeal to Wall Street. Right. So again, right. like you know, here's this company um, with people who we our business cards say that we're like chief Yahoo and you know marketing Yahoo or whatever. Um, our logo on our business card is not the same as the logo on the screen. We have purple and blue on the, you know, purple and yellow and blue on the card. We have red on the screen. I mean, we we look like like amateurs, right? Um, but you know, we did have a really strong CEO, strong CFO, strong, you know, COO. We had, you know, I did have some experience. You know, I wasn't, you know, completely a novice. Um, we had a sale, head of sales, and head of international. These are all people who had real business experience prior to coming to Yahoo. Um, so, you know, I think I think really Wall Street was investing in the overall space, the industry, and they were willing to invest in Yahoo partly because we did have that kind of team and we did have. Um, this idea about building a brand like we were we were telling wall street that we're going to build a brand and that we had some 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 tools in place and some thoughts and some things that we were doing that showed that we would do we were doing that um and we were for instance taking we were developing market research and working with market research companies to do that and so we created a video um as part of our road show which now like everybody does right um but um in those days you know, tech companies basically had, you know, the top executives go and have closed doors meetings with bankers and investors, blah, 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 same old, same old. But we actually put together, in addition to the PowerPoint presentation, a video, and I hired a guy that I'd worked with in advertising, and, and, and we used to make movie trailers and video trailers with me mm-hmm. at 20th Century Fox. So it had, a, like, a different, you know, um, style and sense, you know, and it was really appealing. And it made us look professional. It made us look professional, but like, you know, like it was exciting. Like, I mean, I think we generated a lot of excitement for the company, but we looked professional and we looked like we had an important story to tell. And so I think that made a, that made a big difference. Um, so anyway, so we, we convinced Wall Street, you know, we had an amazing IPO. Um, that was all 
great. Um, but, you know, Excite was a company that went public before us, and these other companies all went public right at about the same time. So it wasn't just, you know, like Netscape had gone public the year before, and it's been the biggest IPO ever, blah, 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 or whatever. And, um, but they didn't have a brand. It's kind of like you go public, and that's all people know about you is your mm-hmm. stock. Well, what happens when your stock goes down? That, then that's all people are going to talk about. So we knew we had to have something else to talk about besides our stock. And so that was um, one of the reasons I was able to convince the team at Yahoo that you know we did need to invest in advertising and that it was worth a try. Um, and the other thing, that, the argument I tried to make is that we're, we were in the business of selling advertising. So, you know, good brands, if we want Pepsi and Procter & Gamble and Johnson Johnson – to experiment and, and test out internet advertising, you know, they would rather be with a brand that they, that they think has, you know, um, trust and consumer awareness like Yahoo, than they would just one of these other, you know, techie brands or techie companies that have no, you know, no real brand uh, affinity amongst consumers. So that was another, argument that I would try to make a lot, you know, in order to try to, you know, get a budget or be able to hire people, you know, um, to help, to help, uh, do the stuff that I thought would be fun to do. And, and, and that I thought would, you know, create results. So, um, man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill patio sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. To, to, to that end, actually... Um... How much is there a sense of the competition with, you know, the Excites and the Lycoses and, you know, because Excite kind of, <laughs> they they get into branding as well and they have their Are You Experience and stuff like that. But um, how much was there a sense in, in for you or internally at Yahoo of like this Coke versus Pepsi thing of keeping Yahoo number one, uh, you know, the... the we could, not a search engine; it was a directory. But you know, the 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 site that that people would go to first on on the web. Yeah, I think I think this is this is where having a, a brand when you, when you're when you're really clear on what your brand values are, which is what we did. Like you know, we we did a brand guidelines. You know, sort of sort of brand guidelines. We had a brand mission. We had a clear mission for the company. At one point, I actually invited in um, a priest who I knew. I'm not, I don't happen to be Catholic, but I brought in a, a, a guy who I know who's a priest. And, and we talked about, I, I sat down with, we sat down with Jerry and David and, and a couple of executive team, team members. And we said, you know, what, what does this company really stand for? 
like, you know, once the stock, you know, stock price and the this and that, when it's all said and done, like, what what do we really stand for? What do we really care about? What do we want people to know about us, you know, with? with? And so I think that when you when you have a clear, you know, we our, our feeling was we felt that everyone, every person had the right to good information and that that was something we wanted to deliver upon. And so then we had a bunch of things about what our brand was and what our brand was not. And, like, so, for instance, one of the things I said is, you know, at Yahoo, we're never going to describe ourselves as cool. We're never going to say, hey, check out this cool thing on Yahoo. And, and I, ha- I hate to say it, but I'm kind of sad that that got lost at Yahoo somewhere along the way after, long after I'd been gone. I mean, the company's 20 years old now, so, of course, these things change and evolve. But I, I think it's kind of sad that that got lost. Um, uh, you know, it's like we, I always felt like if we have to say you're cool, you're not really cool. You know, um, like let the let the, the person feel your cool. And if they don't, then that's you know whatever. So anyway, so I think I think we were extremely worried about the competition from a business standpoint. So we were aggressive about how do we grow, how do we um, continue to innovate, how do we make sure we're really delivering on our, our our promise and our brand. How do we stay true to our to our brand and stick authentic to our brand. And I think because we had we had done that work, then when there were different points of decision to be made, we didn't we 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 knew which paths to take. Like we we were we were never confused about what to do, um, which I think was 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 really useful. It doesn't mean that we always made the right decisions, um, but we were able to make decisions fairly quickly and be decisive. And so. Everything was consistent, and I remember, you know, we we would talk to the press, you know, quite often. We had we had very good um, a, a very good PR team internally. I believed early on that we should invest in internal folks, and so we had some amazing people internally doing PR. And um, they, we would get reporters, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, you know, all people from around the world, and they would they would talk to the executive team, and and they would be like, wow, you know, I've never interviewed companies where everyone is on the same page so consistently you know no matter who I talk to you guys are all saying the same thing you guys are all rowing in the same direction and I think that you know that was a real key and I I believe that having a brand like when you're clear on your business mission and your brand is really consistent with that that's that can be extremely powerful and you you mentioned early on that um Right away, there was a lot of international ex, uh, expansion and things like that. So, um, was it difficult to translate that into the overseas expansion, or were you able to? Was the brand basically the same everywhere you took it? Yeah, you're bringing up a really that's a really important question. Um, it was a question that I grappled with a lot um, because you know it was like my first time being a brand steward. You know, being the person you know kind of trying to guide and nurture a brand and help build it and so it was my first time and so you know having like the harvard mba background in my head trying to make sense of it and trying to figure out like okay you know what are some examples of great brands out there that i could follow um and who, you know where do i get some lessons you know and learn on the on the, on, on my feet and i i was really humbled by this like i i was like oh my god you know this feels really daunting to make this to help to try to make this decision because there you know, global brands there there are two different you know there's kind of two main kinds of ways to think about a global brand a brand like like disney um 
means the same thing everywhere in the world. You know, Disney is the same. Um, they sometimes hire, like, you know, a different actor, actor, actress to, to do the voice of a character than they do, you know, rather than just, you know, they don't, don't just you know, subtitle or whatever. Dub. But, um, you know, it's, it really is the same brand everywhere. Um, Coca-Cola is not the same brand everywhere. It, it's really different. And refreshment means different things in different places. In some places, Coke is a luxury. In some cases, Coke represents America. In some places, Coke is, you know, it represents what you have with pizza or whatever. Coke means different, and, and, and different brands, you know, Coke, Coca-Cola has different brands, right? You know, the orange and the Sprite and the whatever else. Mm-hmm. They don't sell all the different brands every place, right? And the, the formulas are different and everything. But, you know, it's a hugely successful global brand, right? So I was thinking, I, I struggled with, well, how, what should we be? Should we be, if, you know, we were tailored to each local, um, you know, community in each local country, or should we be, should we stand for the same things everywhere, right? Um, and the same values everywhere. And I, I definitely felt like I was out of my, you know, pay grade, out of my depth in, in making this decision or, you know, guiding this decision. Um, clearly, there were business reasons that drove it as well, so I don't want to make it sound like this was just my decision or anything. It certainly was not. But, um, you know, there were business things like, for instance, you know, Tim Brady and the team and everybody recognized it was super, you know, it's very important for people to have, to be able to log in no matter where they were in the world and, you know, get the things they wanted to get and all that. So that was really, that was really key. Um, but we, we did, we made sure that every, like all the content in each country was really valuable for that country. Um, so, you know, in Japan, of course, the news and the sports and finance and everything would all be what was relevant for the Japanese audience. But in terms of what the brand values were, like what the the identification was and how it looked and felt, we wanted that to be the same around the world. And I think that I, I think that was the right call. Um, I think that um, pretty much I, I, I can't think of any of any internet companies that became successful that didn't do that. I can think of a bunch of them that that did not do it that we don't know that you, nobody has heard of today because they don't exist anymore because they failed. But the ones that all worked um, that have been successful have done the same thing. So. Um, now it seems obvious. <laughs> I right. guess at the time it did not seem so obvious. Well, you know, um, I'm, I've spoken to um, several of the Excite people, uh, some Lycos people, Alta Vista, and you know, when I would ask them, well, how how come Yahoo won? You know, because they would say, well, you know, we we really had superior technology and this and that and the other thing, but they would all come back to um, that Yahoo was just. Yahoo was the successful portal, the successful search site of the dot-com era because they just, everyone knew them. It was the branding. Every, to to a person, I think they all said that it was the branding that they couldn't overcome that, that kept Yahoo at at the top. So <laughs> I'm encouraging you now to, to pat yourself on the back. But do you agree that that was the, the key for Yahoo's success in terms of overcoming the other you know search competitors and, and such? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I do, but I mean, not because I, you know, I was involved in doing it, but because I, I mean, just as a marketer, I believe in brands, but I think a brand is more than just, you know, the awareness or the advertising or, 
you know, the logo and all that. It's also uh, your brand. Is, I mean, it's the promise you have with your users. But our, you know, our engineering and our product team and and you know the content creators, everyone delivered on that promise, right? So it may not have been that we had always the um, you know the the fastest technology, if you will, or the most cutting edge technology, but it was the smartest um, use of the technology to deliver on the promise that we had with our consumers. So I think all those all those parts of the company. Um, that it all work together in order to deliver on that on on a promise that I think was that I believe was the right promise. Yeah. So, um, but you know, back to the name. One thing I was afraid you were about to tell me mm. was that oh, you know, like us and Excite and all these people. Well, the reason that Yahoo did better is because I mean the name, right? I mean, how mm. easy was it? The name, like people say, oh, Karen, wow, you know, you're lucky you had such a great name to work with, and it was like, yeah. Um, I do feel lucky. That's why I called them first. I called called Yahoo, not these other guys. But um, you know, the name could have been a disaster. You know, the name is difficult to pronounce in a lot of countries. The name doesn't mean anything in other languages. Um, so it could have been horrible. It could have, in fact, meant something weird, which we were completely afraid of. That was like one of the first things I did is like, you know, started looking up to see like, you know, what does this mean in other languages? You know, um, and it's like, oh, thank God, you know, it wasn't a huge gigantic problem, but it could have been right. Um, and, and, you know, the name initially, like nowadays, it's almost hard to believe, but in those days, people were like, Yahoo, are those like this hacker guys? Wait, is a Yahoo a hacker? I mean, that's what people were asking, you know? So um, in hindsight, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that was easy. We were, we, you know, caught a wave and Yahoo was a great name. And, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it could have not necessarily have been, um, you know, a, a, a great thing. But I think it was. I mean, mm -hmm. I, 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 in my heart, I, I felt like it was, it was going to be. And I, I, and I clearly saw that lots of other people felt the same way, for sure. But, um yeah, <laughs> it, 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 we had to get we had to make sure people could take us seriously and trust us, right? Because imagine once, for instance, like people would say, I remember when we were getting ready to launch Yahoo Mail, and we we're like, should we call it something else? Like, should you know? I was like, oh no, we've got to you've got to be able to be Brian at Yahoo dot com. You've got to be able to do that. That's our best advertising ever, right? We have to. Right, have right. Like, yeah, but like, are people going to want to be a Yahoo? Like. Will they want to be a Yahoo? Will they be? Will people go like Yahoo? Like, is that like, is your email going to be safe? You know, can we trust it? You know, like that's those are the kinds of things people are asking in those days. Mm -hmm. So we were like, okay, yeah, we're gonna, we got to make sure that like trust, you know, trust and reliability. And I think that was another reason why I never wanted us to describe ourselves as cool. Like, you know, let people, you know, let's just say that we're trustworthy and reliable. You know. And let other people think we're cool. You know, let people think we're cool, but let's, mm -hmm. let's say we're trustworthy and reliable. So, so um, before before we wrap up here, I, I if you could just um, some of the people that that we've been talking about that you worked with, just um, give us a, a few words of of uh, your impression working with them, their their roles in the company, that sort of thing. So let's start with um, Jerry Yang. Sure. So Jerry. Um, from the from the time I first met him, 
he's he's an amazing guy. I mean, he was he was obviously a lot younger now than he is now, you know, then than he is now. He's been a CEO of the company as well. But yeah, what I always appreciate about Jerry is that he's he's a really humble guy, and he was always interested in talking to anyone who was interested. Like, see, he never like put himself above other people in the company or consumers or people at trade shows. I remember the first time I traveled with Jerry and David, we went to a, a um, like an internet convention, internet world in New York. And Jerry and David shared a hotel room, you know, cause it was like, they, they were like, yeah, we, we just don't want to spend a lot of money, you know, from the company. It's like, we were, we were a publicly traded company and they shared a hotel room, you know, cause they just wanted to like not spend money, which I thought it was great. And I was like, okay, guys, but I'm not sharing a hotel room with you. <laughs> um, but they, they, you know, like that sort of thing, you know, and then like at, at Christmas time, Jerry and David with their own money bought Christmas presents for, for all the employees. Things like, you know, a Yahoo sleeping bag or a really cool messenger bag or, you know, things that were like, like cool fun things that people could take home and use at home. Um, so yeah, they were great. Like really good, like high integrity, caring, thoughtful people, and wickedly smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, do the same for uh, Jeff Mallet and, and Tim Kugel. Sure. So TK is someone who I stay in touch with a lot. I actually um, see him maybe a couple times a year. He is an he's an amazing guy. Um, he I, though was a little bit of a, the, a reluctant hero. He was not always very comfortable. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't really. At least in those, at the beginning, was not all that excited about doing a lot of public speaking. Um, he didn't. I mean, he he was fine. You know, of course, doing deals and negotiating and working with Wall Street and convincing Wall Street of the of the potential of the company and 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 doing all that. I mean, he's you know he's 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 great. But um, I think initially he wasn't like like we would have like announcements for the company. I was like, TK, you know, come on. You know, let's you know let's go out in front of the whole company and talk about what you know the results of the quarter and really like you know get people energized. And people loved it. Like the employees loved him, like because he was so like normal, right? And he would walk around and just walk and just be like he would just act normal, like in a great, approachable, wonderful way, you know. And so he became a hero to everyone, but he, he wasn't like seeking that out. He was never like, Oh, I'm going to be like someone that we all look up to, you know, that the employees all look up to. He never tried to do that. It just happens in a very natural, organic way. It was, um, we, you know, at Yahoo, we would all dress up for Halloween. And, um, I think one of the first, one of the, some Halloween, everybody on my team, all the marketing people, we all dressed up as Tim Kugel. And it was hilarious. And he, you know, like he, he was like so shy, like he was so embarrassed by it. You know, he was just like such a great guy. The other thing I loved about him was that he knew what he knew and he knew what he didn't know so much. And so a lot of CEOs, um, they really try to micromanage, particularly advertising and anything with creative. And TK was like, look, you know, I have a PhD in engineering. I don't watch TV. I don't know about this stuff. He's like, give it a try. But then once he saw the results, he was like, Hey, let's, he's like, keep it up, you know, um, just keep doing the job. So he never like tried to get involved in, in, you know, the minutia of what we were doing or, or anything. It was great. Um, oh, and then Jeff, Jeff, oh, Mallett, yeah, sorry. Do you have time? Oh yeah. No, 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 please. 
Okay, so Jeff um, was my boss, and um, you know I worked I worked really co- you know closely with him. But you know he also had all the other functional heads reporting to him: sales, business development, um, you know all the operations, everything. So um, you know he he was a, a very busy guy. The guy probably worked harder in the company than than just about I, I would say anyone. Um, and uh, ton of energy. The guy just has like a ton of energy. And he was very, very good, too, and international. He'd had had a lot of international experience. Um, he hired an amazing woman to run international named Heather Killen. And so he was he was great at attracting good talent. And um, but I have to say, like, I mean, he was he was a good manager, but he didn't spend a lot of his time managing, you know, like meaning I think he hired people that he thought could do a good job and he trusted them to do that job. And so um, everybody, you know, if, if I had something I needed to go to him on, I, I, I went to him and obviously, I mean, he'd come in checking on me or whatever. But I found like I, I found that he was he was definitely the kind of manager who just needed to hire good people. And then, like, you know, he, he found good people. And then he gave them, you know, the tools and resources to to do their do their job. And so he and Tim Kugel and Jerry Yang were really the strategic visionaries of the company and the deal makers and the drivers. So everything kind of had the three of them in their their involvement on everything. Um, you know, in terms of anything big, you know, acquisitions, the strategy, the direction, where the company was going. You know, that was really, you know, their their. They they all worked on the, those things um, very closely together. We call them the three amigos. <laughs> so. um, you uh, you leave Yahoo uh, in in two thousand one, I think. And and looking mm-hmm. at, at bios, a lot of the um, a lot of the early people sort of all leave around the same time. So I'm I'm curious was there was there a burnout or was it like, I mean, it had to be a wild couple of years or a real wild ride to go from, you know, a, a nothing to, you know, hundreds, tens, tens of thousands of, of employees. And, and, um, it was, was, it, was there anything like that? Like, um, you know, by 2000, 2001, maybe people just needed a break. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people, I think we all had very, you know, high work ethics and, you know, strong work ethics and, and I think, it, um, you know, I was a little bit older than some of the folks who were there. So Jeff Mallett's actually a couple of years younger than I am and two of the other people are. And so I, you know, was, I had like my first child. I was ready to come slow down a little bit. But it was also a real change in the culture because we had a new CEO, um, Terry Semmel. Right, right. And I really think that it, that had more to do with it, which was a um, actually a change in the industry, which... Um, was um, kind of um, you know unfortunate. We're starting to we're starting to realize that we needed to do some new things and, and take on some new directions, um, which I think I think we're fine. Like I think a lot of the people on on the team would have been fine with with moving into some new directions. That would have been okay. But I think um, it was a different culture. Um, Terry was a much more of a corporate style CEO. And he he came from Hollywood too, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'd worked in Hollywood. I kind of knew what that was about. We had a couple of other people who also came from the media um, and entertainment world, and so kind of knew what that was like. And um, you know, I think you know there were a couple of people who were brought in, kind of you know under under Terry that where there was some culture clash. I mean, that that was that's what it was. Um, you know, for me, I, I'm not sure. You know, for everybody else, but. Um, 
Yeah, you know, um, I think each person had their own, you know, their own reason, you know. Um, and, you know, and I, I, as, uh, on one hand, I said I was a little bit older than some of the folks, but there were actually, like, the head of sales, the head of um, our CFO, a couple people like that had, had left before I did. And I think it was partly they had sacrificed so much in terms of being away from their families and, and um, you know, just, you know, the round-the-clock, 24-7, always-on job. That I, I do think that maybe for some of the, the folks who left before me, before the culture clash really had started to happen, um, I think I think it was you know they maybe probably were starting to feel that way. Yeah. So I I, I will wrap up by asking uh, what you're what you're up to now. But before I do that, if you'll indulge me in one uh, one sort of uh, big question here, because uh, you still work uh, with with brands and and, and stuff today, um, mm-hmm. is it is it night and day difference from what you did at Yahoo? Like now in in the era of social of mobile of, of of, of today. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about luck, right? I mean, we we were at a when we did what we were doing. It was still at a time when you know people would talk about you know advertising campaigns. I mean, you could, you know, you would hear people describe. You know, they watched TV. You know, they watch. They listened to the radio. They you know read magazines and all that. Um, and so, you know, advertising. A lot of advertising in those days was still. Um, you know, kind of more intrusive. So, I mean, that's just advertising, but also just the ability to do PR, the ability to create a vision and to, um, about what you stood for. Um, you know, it, it, there were a lot of things that, that, that were easier in those days. I mean, that being said, it was a lot harder to find your audience. Um, the power of the internet today is that you can really find your audience and you can have distinct messages to distinct audiences. Um, so in a way, it's also the golden era of marketing, right? Um, uh, so, um, you know, we, caught, we we probably could have, you know, I mean, we were an internet company, so it's kind of hard to, you know, there was no way to be online to get to who we needed to reach. But, um, you know, with brands today, it, you know, there there is that opportunity, which is which is which is great. Um, you know, the other thing is today. Um, you know, things things can be spread much more rapidly because of social media and because of, you know, sharing. Um, and so that's that's really great, too. So, so that's one of the things that still makes it very interesting for me and why I like, I still enjoy marketing and I still enjoy helping to develop new brands is because um, there's so many more tools in the toolkit for a marketer nowadays. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, it was easier to do what we did then than it would be now. Hmm. I mean, you couldn't do the exact, easier, harder. uh, Yeah. So everybody was curious, right? It was like, what is this internet thing? So we had an answer for that. Yeah. That's, that, that was such a fascinating, fascinating answer. I hadn't thought about that. Like you, you, you were still in an era when, okay, how do we, how do we reach people? Buy TV ads. <laughs> you know, like... Well, or or radio, or right? Yeah, reach, reach them outdoor. You know, like we have these amazing billboards that you know people would see, and you know neon billboards and these really iconic places in mm-hmm. San Francisco, mm-hmm. and New York, and Sunset Boulevard, and be like, whoa, that's cool, you know. And and I think there was also an element of people that we got noticed because they they thought of us as we were a virtual brand, right? So. So people kind of were curious, like, what does Yahoo look like? You know, 
what what does a Yahoo look like? What you know what you know when people would see us in the real world, it would be like, wow, you know, um, this thing that they just see on their computer screen has now come to life. So that would get people's attention as well. Well, you've been so generous with your time, so I, I do want to let you go. But um, if you want to tell us um, anything about what you're up to today, um, you're, you're, you sure see, <laughs> still seem busy. So whatever whatever you want. Um, yeah. So, so um, basically what I do is um, I work with, with typically you know, founders of companies or, or companies that are trying to get, get off the ground, and I help them think through, like, what is their brand and what's their brand promise and you know, what do they want to deliver on and their mission and what do they really stand for? And I help them um, think about how to acquire users and, and members. Um, I also work with consumer brands that want to learn more about the Internet and making sure that they're doing things that are, um, you know, um, going to be attractive to today's Internet audiences. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think of myself as a brand builder or a brand you know, developer and and, a, and, a, um, and and also sometimes I guess like a little bit of a consumer advocate. Um, I also helped, um, I was part of a team that started an organization called Common Sense Media. We've been around for, I guess, about 12, 13 years now. And we've, we um, are dedicated to helping families figure out the media landscape. And a lot of our work has been, you know, in the last, you know, however many years, is helping families make sense of social media, and thinking about screen time and thinking about healthy habits and using the Internet. Um, and then we also have TV and movie reviews and all kinds of things that help parents make informed decisions and, and teachers for their children. So that, that's been pretty near to, and dear to my heart because I also have two kids. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Karen Edwards, that, that was all fascinating stuff. Like, I loved all of that. Um, Thank you so thank you so much for um, coming on the show and um, remembering all that for us. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. There's plenty more great internet history where that came from. And if you're a longtime listener, then you know what to do to help us out. Rate and review us on iTunes because iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more great reviews we get, the more people will discover us. As always, there's more info on our website, www.internethistorypodcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at nethistorypod, and my personal Twitter is at brianmcc. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.